just their ability to take on stresses and take on the world as it is and make sure that they're doing what they need to do on a daily basis. You know, there's no excuses. Primarily, I never see any excuses. Nobody comes in with an excuse. Um, everybody's out there to work hard. So hard work, dedication, consistency, all the cliche words, but it's actually true. You know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm looking at these guys, and, but you know, for the same instance, I'm doing the same thing with my daily living and making sure that I'm doing all the right things to make sure that you know, I'm where I need to be. Primarily what I live my life on is that even though I feel uncomfortable at certain times or I don't want to get up or whatever the case may be, I get up there and I do it because I know that at the end of the day, it's going to make me a better person. It's going to make me achieve those things in the long run and, uh, and set myself apart from the rest. So that's my mindset going into everything. Welcome, Phil Daru, to the Mind Body Podcast. Finally, I have another coach to the podcast, uh, a fitness coach, uh, but you're more of an athlete coach, so it's even better. So I'm very excited for this uh, podcast to have you on and uh, pick your brain a little bit. Uh, so uh, would you like to introduce yourself in a short bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, so like you said, my name is Phil Daru, um, strength and conditioning coach, performance coach, whatever you want to call it, train roughly over 80 fighters in the sport of MMA, also judo, boxing, professional boxing, also work with some high school athletes too as well. Uh, own my own facility, own my own gym, and then also I'm the head performance coach over at American Top Team as well, the uh, MMA gym for pretty much the who's who of MMA stars in a way, if you could say that. And I've uh, been doing this for roughly 10 years now as a, as a coach, and I've been training and competing since I was about eight years old. I played college football, American college football. So, you know, hitting people with helmets and things like that. That's why I got about eight concussions. And then from there, uh, went on and did uh, MMA, mixed martial arts, was a turned professional at the age of 21, I believe. And uh, did that up until about 26, 27. Now I just actively compete in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and do some grappling tournaments here and there. Uh, but mainly my main job right now is coaching. So that's where we're at right now. So basically, sports been around you most of your life. Uh, so if we start looking back, so you said you started as a football player, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. um, what got you to to become like a, a strength uh, and conditioning uh, trainer? Was it uh, like you wanted to answer questions on your own, like you wanted to develop a better self, mm -hmm. and then from there you took it to to help others? 
Yeah, uh, well, primarily, like, when I started training, it was for sport. So when I started training and getting into shape, building my body, building my strength, my power, it was more for getting ready for the college or for high school football in general. And um, by the age of, like, 13, 14, I used to – my actually, my grandfather got me started, and he took me to the gym for the first time. And I just started to understand how to properly program and do things – to where I'm actually going to progress and started reading the old Soviet text, you know, reading about, you know, how to structure a program, how to do this the right way. Cause at times when you start, it's just like basically just go out there, grab a bench, do some bench press. And I didn't even have a bench at the time. We used to do floor pressing and, um, you know, squats, deadlifts, pull-ups, pushups, things like that. But I didn't know how to put it in a proper format. And, uh, when I started to read up on it, started to read like West side text and, and articles that Lou used to, used to write, um, I got to understand more of the conjugate way of doing things and then also looked into more linear and then also undulation and, and then, you know, so on and so forth. But when it came down to it, understanding how to train properly was always a, a thing that I always wanted to get better at, you know. And from there, I used to help my athletes and, well, I should say my teammates at the time, my friends at the time, just get better. And um, used to bring them all to my, you know, to my garage and we used to train 14, 15 years old. And I uh, remember that, you know, we were just all getting stronger, getting bigger and getting, you know, ready for the season at hand. And I was saying, well, man, this thing's actually working what we're doing. And obviously when you're, when you're a kid, you adapt to anything, right? So we were doing things like just basic linear progressions at the time. Um, but I could see a full change in not only myself, but the people that were training with me. So I say, okay, this is great. I get to help myself and other people and doing the thing that I'm passionate about at the same time. So with that kind of went into my profession as it is now, um, at, you know, at the same time, I'm still a competitor. I wanted to compete. I'm an athlete at hand. So for that, I was looking towards, you know, building my body, building my strength, building my performance, but also helping the individuals that were on my team or training with me. And that was always a plus. So you, you said like uh, you wanted to structure a good workout routine. So there is a few elements uh, in order to, to really build, uh, we can say, the, the perfect program. So uh, what kind of elements are you looking at when you are building a program either to yourself or for an athlete that uh, you start working with? Well, first and foremost, it starts with an assessment protocol. So I, I still need to know exactly from a joint prerequisite standpoint how much they can get underneath load and do these movements efficiently. And then from there, we look into, you know, do they need more strength? Do they need more speed? Do they need more power? And that can go into any type of training assessment, whether that be a dynamic strength index, a reactive strength index. Um, I'm also doing a 10-20 split sprint test just basically trying to find out what does the athlete need first and foremost. And then from there, we can properly format the program accordingly. Um, it used to be that, you know, you need to develop strength first, and then you need to develop that power and then speed, so on and so forth. That's the basic, you know, linear progression, whether it be for strength sports or just, you know, team sports in general. But what we're seeing now is that with a lot of times we can be auto-regulatory and actually see exactly what they need in real time and work on those specific focus points so that we don't have to waste any time. And that's primarily what I do because with the fight sports, they could be fighting at any point in time throughout the year. So I have to make sure that I'm, I'm managing my time efficiently and getting what they need done at that particular time based off of their subjective needs. 
So that's how we really would structure it out. But if you want to go down a basic format, yes, you want to make sure that you develop a basic line of strength, right? A basic line of stability and mobility. Then from there, we can enhance that with higher means of velocity, with power movements, and then going into higher velocities of speed. So it is somewhat of a systematic approach. But again, it also depends upon the person. It depends on the circumstances and the situations. But uh, don't you think like once you get really good, for example, at power and strength and you, you becoming stronger and you have more muscle mass, won't mm -hmm. it injure your speed, for example, or your ability mm -hmm. to, you know, you have better uh, like movements? For sure. There, there, is a, there is a negative side effect almost. You know, you can be, and I hate to say this because I don't want to, I don't want to downgrade strength because strength is a precursor for all other athletic abilities. But yeah, you can actually be too strong for your own good. We want to aim, especially for sport, we want to aim for relative strengths and how well we can still be strong but be mobile at the same time. And what I mean by mobility is having active and range control in all movement quality. So it's one thing to be flexible, it's another to be mobile. And being flexible is passive range of motion, we know that. But being mobile, being mobile and having that quality mobility is having the ability to be strong in those end ranges and be able to move in those end ranges. So for that, we need to make sure that all things are encompassed. Now with the strength adaptations, we want to make sure that we have the proper strength to increase force production and rate of force production. And with that, you're going to need strength. But after that, once a solid base of strength and relative strength has been acquired, then we need to work on that power and then we can go into that speed. Again, when you're looking at it from a physics standpoint, no matter what, you still need some sort of velocity and some sort of force production to increase your power production. So with that being said, all these things come together once the time comes to do so. Do you also work with bodybuilders, for example? So do you combine some of uh, like uh, classical bodybuilding splits or uh, mm. to, to athletes as well? I really don't use a whole lot of bodybuilding, um, just because I'm a weight I'm a weight class sport that I work with, right? So, it, for the most part, if a guy needs to build up and get into a, a higher weight class, then yes, we will introduce something like tempo work, you know, or German volume training or something along the lines of that. Uh, but again, I'm also still working in those faster concentric movements. I want to make sure that they're still explosive, uh, but where you can build so a little bit more hypertrophy with the slower eccentric work and um, and just just overall metabolic damage and muscular damage or metabolic, I should say, we still want to increase metabolites, but we also want to make sure that we're getting some type of muscle damage there so that we can increase hypertrophy. But again, we need to make sure that we are optimally recovering because they are still doing their sport and we don't want to hinder that too as well. And how, how often, like, if we look at athletes, like the athletes that's on the top level, uh, like people that you train, uh, like Dustin Poirier, uh, even Amanda Nunes, right? Yeah, I've trained her before. I haven't trained her in a while, but yeah. So uh, when we look at this elite level, uh, how many hours a day do they spend in the gym or strength training, conditioning training? And do they, can, can they get to that uh, overtraining? Definitely, because I mean, a lot of times, remember, we're a small piece of the pie when it comes down to strength and conditioning, right? Um, they're doing a lot, especially in mixed martial arts, because it's a mixed bioenergetic demand sport. It's a mixed modality sport. There's a bunch of different things that they have to do on a daily basis. So they may be training two, even three times per day, especially in camp. Now, out of camp, they may be doing a little bit less skills training, and that's where the physical preparation becomes more of, a, of an importance, you know, to get them ready for camp. So out of camp, we like to see them at least three times a week, 
and then they'll be doing about an hour session or maybe even a 90 minute session depending upon what we're doing that day and then from there they're going to be doing their other skills training whether it be wrestling you know wrestling jiu-jitsu boxing kickboxing things like that in camp you know i get there maybe two times a week and then the third day is primarily just based off of mobility and restoration work um that's more for recovery and that's more, more for maintaining a solid level of, of mobility so that it can enhance performance going further into camp um but yeah it's 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 has to be structured enough to where you're not overtraining them again there is objective indicators that we use to help identify those issues and stop it before it happens even worse whether it be an hrv monitor um amrap sets you know things like that even subjective indicators like an rpe or just watching them go through their daily movements and then having communication with the other skills coaches are, are very important too as well because again if i can talk to a skills coach and see how they're doing inside of sparring inside of grappling he's going to give me some feedback on do we need to pull back a little bit on the strength and conditioning or do we need to pull or need to you know ramp it up a little bit and that that's really how you know we structure out the entire camp going further and you probably believe that as well that who you surround yourself is who you become so you surrounded yourself with really amazing people top athletes and uh, that probably gets you to raise your, your standards as well. So what is a common thing if you, you look at uh, now that I ask you, uh, that you see among all these uh, the top athletes that you see like, uh, oh, this is something I see in, in him and in the other, that uh, you apply to your own life as well? You know, just their ability to take on stresses and take on the world as it is and make sure that they're doing what they need to do on a daily basis you know there's no excuses primarily i never see any excuses nobody comes in with an excuse um everybody's out there to work hard so hard work dedication consistency all the cliche words but it's actually true you know at the end of the day i'm, I'm looking at these guys that but you know for the same instance i'm doing the same thing with my daily living and making sure that i'm doing all the right things to make sure that you know i'm where i need to be and help the people that i need to help so when it comes down to it, like we all have the similar mindset, that whole entire gym I work with at American Top Team, every every individual in there is, you know, is focused on their own task of what they need to do to get the person that either that what they're who they're working with or themselves better. So it is a good thing to be around that type of environment. It's a good thing to be around just those types of people. And um, yes, I can see it definitely helped my game. But again, you know, you know, I, I don't at the end of the day, like I think that. I was meant to be there and i think that for everyone that is there now they were meant to be there that's why they're still there and the ones that aren't there still that's why they weren't there because they can't fit into that mold do you also touch the nutrition part um i do and i do i don't you know we have guys like george lockhart you know um that that work with these guys on their weight cuts and things like that but I, i'll still go on and and obviously give them some nutritional guidelines and make sure that they're doing the right things um every day from a fuel from a fuel source perspective making sure that they're getting in the right amount of fuel for the workouts for the training for the recovery and then also recovery methods too as well what what's your approach when it comes to nutrition because there is like so many approaches there is the there intermediate is. fasting paleo but it, it's like for the athlete i don't think it's something that is uh, you can do like intermediate fasting yeah. yeah you know some of the guys like to do it off camp you know and and that's primarily because they just like to almost like you know cleanse their body a little bit because they are eating and doing things on a schedule primarily every day for eight to 12 weeks 
so they like to take a little break and i don't and i don't mind that just for mental clarity um give their physiology a break a little bit in a way uh, but yeah they're definitely going to need a source of carbohydrates depending on you know how intense the the, the workout is how intense the uh, the training is for recovery. When it comes down to protein, you know, I'm, I'm standard. I, you know, I think that, you know, 0.8 to one, one gram per pound of body weight is plenty. Um, as far as carbohydrates goes, you know, you're looking at two grams to even three to four, maybe even, especially with these people that are training nonstop. The guys that are leaner, obviously, I'm going to give them more carbohydrates than the ones that need to bring down a little bit of body fat. You know, we got guys like Edson Barbosa, who's, who's we, I took him, we got a DEXA scan done on him, and he was about 11%. Eleven really looked way exactly. uh, less. Well, I mean, the DEXA is pretty accurate. You know, I mean, I think it's one of the most accurate as opposed to, you know, with, I would say, hydrostatic weighing. So I think that, you know, with that, it, roughly he's looking, he's looking around maybe 10 to 9 on a, on a skin fold caliper. But, you know, he's super lean. I think that the only, only fat he has on his body is probably a little bit in his legs, you know, and something along like that. But other than that, man, I, I like to give him as much carbs as he can because he can't even keep on weight. And that's why he's moving down to 145. But, you know, the, the thing with him and, and it also comes down to, you know, hormonal levels and things like that and metabolism. Um, they have, most of them have a great, you know, a great metabolism. So they're burning constantly and they're doing a lot of training throughout that day. And they can burn up to eight to a thousand calories easy in a workout, especially with the wrestling and, and, and other forms of uh, skills training too, as well. So when it comes down to what I do with them, you know, I want to get them in and out. I don't really want them to be no longer than 60 minutes. 90 minutes is pushing it. You know, after about 45 minutes, serum testosterone actually drops. So we want to keep and maintain that pace, that solid intensity for that duration of time that I have them to get the adaptation necessary to improve on their performance. I'm not really trying to increase their fighting ability. I'm trying to increase their athleticism that can carry over into their fight game. Mm -hmm. that, that's awesome, man. Like, and uh, I can say for myself, I, I did your fight ready uh, program. And that, that shit is hard. <laughs> I even used the polar and just took to see like how, how much I burn. I, I burned a lot of calories for my size. I'm 135 and mm. uh, like doing your uh, heat cardio, like those uh, circuits. Like yeah. you have like these five exercises, one after another that you need to do mm -hmm. one minute, one minute. And yeah. just rest mm -hmm. one minute and do that for three rounds. So I did like mm -hmm. five rounds. I always like to do more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm crazy. I, I like to challenge myself. Uh, but yeah, that that was intense, man. So uh, that's a tough one. Those those are really the tougher ones, especially getting closer to the fight. Um, we try to mimic as much as we can from the duration standpoint of of the time under tension or the time being worked. But we've seen tremendous tremendous increases in endurance and repeated efforts with those circuits. But again. I don't do them a whole lot with the fighters now that I have because, again, they're getting a whole lot of that inside their training. So it is auto-regulated, and we got to make sure that, again, we're getting the most out of the situation, but we're not overtraining them. So how can you measure, for example, that you are getting better at your heart rate, for example, in those kind of ex exercises? Because mm -hmm. let's say I use the polar, and yep. uh, there is, like, uh, you know, that red zone, there is green, there is uh, yellow. And uh, I, I would do like, for example, 45 minutes of this heat workout and mm. it shows me 20 minutes of this was in the red zone. So, mm. so, yes, how, so. Do, how do I know if this is good? 
again, if you if you can bring down that heart rate at that particular time, you want to see you in at least the yellow zone or even the green for a little bit of more of a time frame, either 10 to 15 minutes. Because again, that's you're looking at a time of a fight. It could be 15 minutes. It could be 25 minutes. The goal also in between the minutes of a break, you want to see how fast you can drop your heart rate back down. You want to drop it around 30 to 40 percent. If you can do that, then that's how you know that we're getting closer to being 100 percent ready for you know a fight or anything, you know, as far as progression goes. So you're right now 32, right? 31. Mm -hmm. 31. So that's amazing what you have accomplished, no doubt about it. Uh, it in your age, and there is many coaches out there around the world. Uh, not many have the privilege to work with with the people you work with. So what do you think define you uh, as a coach uh, that that makes you that makes them to want to come and work with you and trust you and believe in you and uh, your way? Um, I think it's several things. I think you know me being there and being there for the for a longer time. Um, I was a fighter myself, so I think that also helps too as well with the fighters that that I have come to me. Like they understand that I know the process from a camp. You know, being in camp, having the weight cut, things like that. So I can I can connect with them on that level, um, and then just getting results, man, and working with the people that I've worked with, and then those people that I've worked with, you know telling other people it's the same thing with with any business in general right if you're good at what you do um you're going to get those referrals and that's primarily what's been happening is like when i started at american top team the first people i, tra I trained with or i trained were dustin poirier king mola wall um what was it tisha torres and uh hector lombard and those guys obviously are at the top of their game you know so i had to bring it i had to bring all of my efforts I had to make sure I was on point with everything, but I also had to be personable and I had to make sure that I connected with them on a, on a personal level. Um, and that is a big thing. That's a major key factor with a lot of coaches. They got to understand that you can know all you know with, from a science background, base, base perspective, but if you can't connect with those, those individuals on a personal level and have the ability to, you know, to be there for them and have a psychological um, success, rate with them it's going to be hard for you to for them to buy into the situation and for you to connect with them and uh, you said that you you learn from them to manage stress so and mm. you're in a point right now that you have a lot on your table you have mm. uh, your business uh, you have uh, coaching uh, those athletes uh, you have your gym right you have your youtube channel for what has like more than half a million subscribers so mm. how do you manage to 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 structure everything in a way that uh, you you keep yourself calm and you, you find time for, for for the stuff like family and all yeah well i'm a, I'm a father of three um wow that i didn't know that <laughs> yeah. so again like my wife just left you know i have a good solid team around me whether it be my family or the team that i have that helps me you know with my with my online stuff and then my team that i have that helps me with my coaching uh, my assistants that I have over at the gym are very important for me because I do travel and do seminars and do appearances here and there. And I need to have those types of individuals so that when I'm gone, they can take take some of that load off of me. And that's one thing that I've always found was that, you know, you can't I don't care what people say. You never can do it alone. You need to have a solid team around you in order for you to do great things. And those those people are truly going to be the ones that will take you to the next level. And again, never forget those types of individuals too as well. 
So I like to thank those people on a daily basis because without them, this wouldn't be possible for me to do all these things at once, right? Um, and on top of that, you need to have a schedule and scheduling things out appropriately each and every day, um, you know, planning things. The most important thing to do, I would say my most three important things I do in the beginning of the day before 12 o'clock. That's the, that's the main thing that I've jot down in my notes before the day starts is I want to get my three most important things done before 12 o'clock, you know, before the midday so that the rest of the day I can get some other things done that I need to and then I can spend time with my family when the time comes. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds really good. And uh, yeah, uh, what I wanted to ask you uh, about ah, your YouTube. So you started it around 2012, something like that. I think so. It, I I barely did anything. I think we we really started started like six to eight months ago. Really started on it. I was just throwing up little little videos here and there on my gym of my gym and my athletes, but I didn't really start getting into it till about six to eight months ago. But yeah, I mean, I've been at it for a while. I I started with the Instagram. And my my wife was like, "You need to get an Instagram." And I remember back then it was like, just like I don't want to put pictures of food up on 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 this thing. I don't care, you know. And I and I was killing it on Facebook with my marketing and stuff like that for my gym business. So I'm like, why is this important? And then I started to put up, you know, videos and pictures of my athletes training, and it started to get a a lot of good feedback. And I started to get a lot more followers, a lot more likes, um, you know, a lot more views on my pictures and videos. And then I started, you know, obviously posting up my my training itself. And then it just started to grow from there. Then when I started with American Top Team, that's when it took off. And that's when I decided to really go in on YouTube. And because of the fact that I could put out higher quality videos and explain why I'm doing it in real time as opposed to having to write down a description. Don't get me wrong. I love doing those on Instagram too, because it allows me to, to almost have like a mini blog post with a picture or a video to, you know, the couple with that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it is a job. Don't get me wrong. Like what we do there when we're trying to build this content, when we're trying to put these, this information out there, we're doing it in the essence to help people and you need to come correct with it because there is a lot of bullshit out there that we need to separate ourselves with. Mm -hmm. that, that's, you're a very great example because there is many people, uh, I would say, including myself, like uh, that, uh, you know, they want to start something like the YouTube, uh, the Instagram and all, but uh, they keep uh, putting it off, they keep making excuses, or yeah. they try to do something and then it's not perfect yet, uh, like the perfect yeah. video and all. Uh, I remember when I started, I was like always looking for that perfect angle, perfect this, perfect that. And uh, then you, you just get to a point, you, you just say, fuck it. And uh, you focus on, on the audience, like what you want to actually share, right? So once you so, focus on that or on, uh, on what, what is the value you want to bring to the table, to the audience, then uh, you get outside of your head, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for the perfect video or the perfect angle, you're, you're never going to put it up. You know what I mean? And that was the one thing that I had to get over. And like, for me, I'm still cautious. I want things to be good. I want them to be, you know, presentable. Um, but for the most part, it's just get it out there, you know, get it out there, put it out there, you know, and at the end of the day, if it's, it, you can learn from your mistakes afterwards. But I think that most people get afraid of putting themselves out there and that's why they'll never make it um, because of the fact that they, they're worried about, you know, negative, negative comments or somebody, you know, talking bad about them, whatever the case may be.
Just get that out of your mind and put the things out there that you feel are appropriate to put out there. And that's going to take you to the next level when it comes down to this stuff. I think also about uh, being committed to, to what you say to yourself. Like if I'm committed to my channel, then I need to keep posting no matter what, no matter how I feel. Because, you know, life can go ups and downs, ups and downs. But if you're really yeah. committed, then you do it no matter what. And, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant... Uh, just a few days ago, uh, yeah. died, and uh, I saw one video, and he talked about uh, the dream. Like everybody wants to live their dream, right? And he said that the dream is actually when uh, you don't feel like doing nothing and you do it, and when uh, you don't want to wake up early and you wake up early, uh, or uh, you do that extra thing at night when you push yourself to do those extra stuff. That is actually the dream, and I think he's right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times when, when people are at another level like that, and, and Kobe is obviously a legend, and he'll always be a legend, you know, rest, rest in peace, man. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, with people that are at that level and are looking to be somewhat of a legendary status, they are going to do the things that sometimes they are not willing to do or they don't want to do at that particular time, but they get their ass up and they do it. And that's primarily what I live my life on is that, even though I feel uncomfortable at certain times or I don't want to get up or whatever the case may be, I get up there and I do it because I know that at the end of the day, it's going to make me a better person. It's going to make me achieve those things in the long run and, um, and set myself apart from the rest. So that's my mindset going into everything. I live, I live, a, I live a Mamba lifestyle, so I would say that yeah. same thing. So Kobe, again, man, yeah. that's, a, that's, legend, that's huh? a legend, bro, for sure. Yeah, damn, that, that's so sad, man. I was little, little crying when I when I heard this. Yeah, and man. The death is really like, and his daughter even worse. Yeah, I know. Trust me, I think about that every day, and I'm looking at it like you know, because I I do take a lot of flights, and I and I and I leave the country, and I leave the state, you know, a lot. And uh, man, I I don't know what would happen if something happened to my family like that. So you know, you know, God bless their family, and hope everything goes well with them. I think it's just uh, a, a reminder and open the eyes of a million, millions of people around the world not to take the life, their life for granted. And like understand like that every fucking moment, like you literally, like you can know what's going to happen. If you really come from that perspective about life and every single day that you wake up, then you, you can start taking and shifting your life to, to a different level, direction and joy and happiness instead of yeah. feeling like most people do yeah. definitely when you put, when you put it in a perspective like that it, it, nothing should bother you at the end of the day like if you're healthy and, you're, and your family's healthy that's the greatest thing to ever have you know what i mean so when when things go wrong in a way or like i'm having a bad day i put that into perspective and i'm looking at it from that that way and then it just totally changes my mindset and then i attack the day so it's a good way of thinking it so before I ask you uh, final two questions I have for you, uh, what is the top, like if I would say, three books that you would uh, recommend sure. to actually to your kids when they grow up or something like Ooh, that? That's a good one. Here, I'll, let me go through it. So but if I would not say your kids, you probably tell me like a strength and conditioning book. Uh, you're right. You're right. I was gonna <laughs> say that. And it, and, that, and, and, and everybody does and everybody does usually ask me that so that's a good question i like that so i'll give you i'll give you a couple so um the laws of human nature by robert green 
very intriguing book. It, it just goes about, you know, understanding people as a whole, right? Understanding, you know, different types of personality traits and why people do the things that they do. So that's something that if you're looking to understand people and get ahead in life, that's a really good book. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, one of my favorites. You know, that's a, that's a legend book. Um, let me think here. Uh, the one that I was talking about with Organizing Your Life is Organizing Tomorrow Today by Jason Selk and Tom Bartow. Um, that was the one thing that got me to properly schedule out my day. You know, that was something that took my scheduling and my, you know, my ability to do things and do all these things appropriately and optimally. That's how I got to be able to do it. Um, let me think here. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willing. Uh, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think at any time, and people people try to blame other people for their for their faults, and at the end of the day, you know, you got to take ownership of your of your shit that you've done. You know what I mean? And at the and even if it wasn't your fault, you know, just go on, live by it, and you know, learn from it, keep on moving forward. You know, um, and I'll give you one more. This is a good one because it was it was intriguing. It was um, it was from the heart. I could tell. And, um, you know, it was informational. So Can't Hurt Me by David oh, Goggins. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, I actually listened to it. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> actually, it's better if you listen to it. I, yeah. I, I do got it on audio, so it's better to listen to it's it. It's a badass. I, I would yeah. love to have him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a phenomenal individual right there. So definitely those are my books. And because we, we are uh, in uh, uh, technology era, dig, digital era, uh, what is top apps you would recommend, either for fitness, because you're a fitness coach as well, or yeah. um, just like may, maybe other stuff for the mind? Okay, uh, let me think here. Well, I mean, again, Audible, right? Audible app. I think that's always a good one. Um, let me think here. Apps. I don't really use a whole lot of apps, but you're talking about like... Um, let's see. I got the BT Light for aerobic for the beep test to measure out aerobic capacity. I do that a lot. Um, as far as measuring, let's see, as far as measuring velocities, I do have the Flex Strong, which is basically a gym aware product and then the Polar Beat for heart oh, rate. Beat is good, I use it too. Yeah, I got the Polar Beat and then, let me look here. And then I wouldn't be anywhere without like my Google Sheets, slides and docs. So mm-hmm. those are my apps right there, man. Sure. But other than that, that's it, man. I'm I'm too I'm not too techy. I'm not a technology guy. I like I like hardcover books and me you know, too. Actually, when I prepare my stuff, I I go with you know like very classic yeah. with a notebook and I write it down. Yeah. People yeah, are, exactly. Like, you know, use the phone. I hate to use the phone for that. I just like to write it down with a pencil or something. I feel I get I get more tired going on my phone than <laughs> actually writing. So. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, before the, the last question, I, I always end up uh, my interviews uh, because we are beard brothers. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what stuff you use for your beard? Because fuck it, I'm, I'm trying like five, ten different products and I don't know. I'm, uh, and your beard looks so good, it. like it's really trimmed <sighs> good. And it's, so, what do you use? What's your secret? I, I have no real secret. Um, let me look. I got a couple of beard oils that I actually use now um, that has been working, but Bulldog is one that's... Really? Bulldog? 
That bulldogs it smells right. like a bulldog. No, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> it works, man. It works. I use I, well. I, well, here's the, here's the thing though. I'll use their conditioner, so I'll use just their conditioner. I won't use their beard oil. Um, and then I have another one. Um, where's the beard balm at that I use? And we got is. I use that uh, Duke and something. I forgot what is the name of them. The name of it? Yeah, yeah, man, I can't find it. I'll probably find it afterwards and send you a text. But uh, right. yeah, you got a solid beard. For me, if I, I will grow it to this uh, level, it will mm -hmm. be curly. So then well, I that's the thing. So what you got to do is you have to get the hot comb. When you get the hot comb, because my, my beard is curly too. So you get the hop comb, you comb it down and make ah, sure okay, the cover okay. shapes it up. It's so like the that. women does for their hair, we do it for exactly, the beard. Exactly, exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah, to be honest with you, it works. And uh -huh. then you definitely want to make sure you keep a beard balm in there and then make sure you're conditioning it and then make sure you put some oil in it afterwards. So first it's conditioned, right? Then the beard balm, then the beard oil after you hot comb it. So you got the hot comb, right? You put the beard balm in then you go ahead and put the oil in and that should set it straight for at least a good three to six hours yeah. and then there you got to redo it but yeah uh, that, that's work, <laughs> work. <laughs> i had to do that there's like the most requested man it looks great it's you look like a viking that's it that's that's where i'm going for I'm, you know I'm <laughs> scandinavian born so that's 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 what i feel it's my background so, so what is the legacy you would like to live that's a question I always like to end the interviews. I want to be a person that has helped out as many people as possible, whether that be to understand training, to you know increase their performance, to help them understand business. Just be a person of, of uh, you know, I don't know what else to say, like, the person that people can look up to to understand how to be successful in a way, not by taking away from somebody else, doing the right things at the right times, making sure that you are helping people and then just motivating as many individuals as possible. My goal in general is to make sure that I'm helping as many people as possible. And that's and that's not just to be like, oh, you should praise me, whatever. I really, really do find joy in helping individuals. Right. When I was a coach, that's why I become a. That's why I became a coach. I actually find more joy into helping my fighters win fights than I actually won my own fights. You know what I mean? Winning my own fights. So with that, that's my legacy. That's what I want to, you know, bring on to my kids and make sure that people understand that I did everything I possibly could to be the most successful I could be by helping other people. No, that's an awesome man, and I want to acknowledge you. Uh, for for what you are doing, you're doing an amazing job. Uh, usually, uh, like a uh, lot of coaches out there are crap, but you know you know your shit, and uh, I can tell from the way you speak and that you you actually love what you're doing, and you have some sort of obsession, good obsession about always becoming better, learning more, and making yourself better, uh, which is a, a great example by itself. So uh, I respect you for that, and uh, I really wish that uh, all the people that uh, are listening to this uh, is going to follow you as well on, uh, where can they find you? 
Yeah, uh, follow me on Instagram at Daru Strong, one word, and then Twitter is at Daru Strong, and then obviously my YouTube channel, Phil Daru Strong. Yeah, the, the YouTube channel is, is amazing. You will learn a lot. I personally learned a lot. And usually I almost never buy stuff online when it comes to fitness, but, uh, but I, I bought his stuff and he's amazing. He knows what he's doing. Thanks, uh, so really uh, do yourself a favor and check him out. Oh, uh, so thank you. Thank you again uh, for the time. I really appreciate that, man. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the FAST factor. The FAST factor stands for 1. Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number 2. Act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. 3. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Because just like I always say, leaders create leaders, and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe, and train others. Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking, and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever, Forget to smile. See you soon.